good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show. I'm your host, Kieran Mack, and thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like this video if you're watching us on YouTube, and please do subscribe. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and a host of other podcast players. Now that that's all done, let's jump into today's show. Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Thai Expat Daily Show. Today is Thursday, the 14th of July, 2022, and let's just jump into the first story of the day. 500,000 more migrant workers needed for recovery. Thailand is short more than half a million migrant workers, the Thai Chamber of Commerce said on Wednesday, as the economy struggles with a slow post-pandemic recovery. Demand for workers is high in labor-intensive sectors, including agricultural goods and food processing for exports, construction, and tourism and services, the vice chairman of the Thai Chamber of Commerce told a news conference. Today, workers are a big issue for driving the economy, he said, adding the country would need a total of at least 3 million to 4 million migrant workers to get the economy moving again. Barriers to recruiting migrant workers include problems in their home country, such as civil unrest in Myanmar, and competition for workers from other countries like Japan and China. At present, there are about 2.5 million documented migrant workers from Laos, Cambodia and Myanmar. And that's according to Pyro Chutasakin, head of the Labour Ministry's Employment Department. In a bid to ease the shortage, the Cabinet last week approved labour management plans, including allowing documented workers to stay until February 2025, he said. Thailand will also allow illegal workers, this time including those from Vietnam, to be registered and work until February 2025 as well. With the improved labour plans and arrival of more workers, Thailand may see nearly 3 million migrant workers at the end of the year, he noted. And moving along, Satakish Thai defies PM. The Satakish Thai party, which will be known as STP from now on, led by Tamanat Pram Pao, has vowed to vote against Prime Minister Prayachana Cha and Cabinet Ministers targeted in the upcoming no-confidence debate in what is seen as a bid to force a change of government leadership, a party source says. The party wants to demonstrate its clear stance against the government after sitting on the fence and refusing to commit itself to either the coalition or the opposition. The move follows its candidate's defeat in the by-election in Lampang's constituency four on Sunday as a rival from the Siri Rum Thai party, which is in the opposition camp, secured victory. The deputy leader, Vijit Plang Reskul, said on Tuesday the defeat in the by-election showed that people disagreed with the party supporting the government. Considering this, its strategic committee decided that List MP Bunsing Waranik and Pai Lek, an MP from Kampeng Pet, should quit their roles as government whips. The two MPs on Tuesday submitted a letter informing the Prime Minister that they want to resign from those roles with immediate effect. A party source said, People have been confused by the party's stance. As such, it wants to drive home the message that it will turn its back on the government and will vote against the PM and the targeted ministers in the no-confidence motion, the source said. Mr. Boonsing, who also serves as the party's registrar, admitted the by-election defeat was unexpected as the party was previously confident it would secure a win. The party needs to identify and fix problems, he said. 
The party previously announced it would work in the best interests of the public and oppose anything that is not right. We agreed with the government on certain issues, but we also oppose them on others. The party's unclear position may be to blame for its defeat in the polls, said Mr Bunsing. Pishet Thatarawai, a list MP for the ruling Palang Pacharat Party, PPRP, and leader of the so-called Group of 16, comprising MPs of micro-parties and some PPR members, described the Setajai ties by election defeat as an upset. If the party's leader want to continue to engage in politics, he must declare a clear stance against the government, Mr Pachai said. Setahashai Kitai is home to 18 MPs, including Captain Tamanat, who were all expelled from the PPRP for acting as renegades. Yet, Captain Tamanat remains steadfast in his loyalty to Deputy Prime Minister and PPRP leader Prawit Wong Suwan, even though he was accused of being the mastermind of last year's censored debate revolt against General Priyat. At the time, Tamanat served as the PPRP's Secretary General and was seen as General Prawit's right-hand man. Setakeshi's Thai party is seen as key players in the no-confidence vote, as Captain Tamanat has made it clear he will not support General Pryat, but he will vote for General Prowitt. General Pryat is expected to be the main target for the censure, while Deputy Prime Minister and Commerce Minister Jurian Lakansangwisit is also expected to face fierce grilling over the high prices of consumer goods caused by rising fuel prices. The Putai leader previously said he expected the debate to last five days, probably from July 18th to 22nd. It will be the last censure debate the opposition can initiate before the government's tenure expires next month. And moving along from that story, Thailand's electricity prices may increase to 5 baht a unit in September through to December. The Energy Regulator Commission of Thailand may increase the fuel adjustment tariff rate for electricity, which will drive up the prices of electricity from 4 baht to 5 baht per unit from September through to December. Rising fuel costs and the inflation and exchange rates over a certain period of time will be taken into account when calculating the new FT rate, which is expected to be increased to 90 satang, 1 baht per unit, when the commission meets this week. It was pointed out that the price of LNG, that's liquefied natural gas, which is the main source of fuel for electricity generation in the country, has increased from $20 per million BTU during the last quarter to about $30 per million BTU this quarter. In addition, it is still unclear when LNG production from the Erawan offshore field in the Gulf of Thailand will resume normal output after the change of concessionaire from US-based Chevron to PT Exploration and Production PLC. Chevron has operated the Erawan gas block since 1981. In December last year, Chevron and PTTEP signed multiple agreements aimed at facilitating the smooth transition of the operation of the offshore Erwin gas condensate field to PTTEP. PTT also won the concession to operate the Bongkot field starting next year. Erwin and Bongkot have a combined production capacity of 2.11 billion cubic feet of gas per day. And moving along, boutique hotels in Patong appeal for help. Deputy Prime Minister Vasanu Krenam was in Patong yesterday to hear firsthand how about 200 small hotels that were not allowed to legally open had been seized in foreclosure motions for failure to pay loans. Deputy Prime Minister Vasanu was in Phuket in his capacity as the President of Office of the Public Sector Development Commission. He was joined by Associate Professor Waraporn Sam Cassette, Chairperson of the OPDC Subcommittee, assigned to evaluate the promotion and development of high-quality tourism in Patong. 
The officials were met by a group of about 80 small hotel operators led by Manasit Jangjab, acting president of the Phuket Boutique Accommodation Consortium, that's the BAC. The group met at the parking lot behind Krung Thai Bank in Patong, then moved to show the Deputy Prime Minister some of the hotels that have been foreclosed. The group pointed out that small hotel operators were still suffering under the current economic conditions and had been since the COVID-19 pandemic began in 2020. As a result, at least 200 small hotels in Batang were subject to confiscation cases and sold at auction, Mr. Manasit said. Therefore, he would like the government to help. We request a waiver to allow the opening of these small hotels and help to resolve the problematic law, which has been demanded for a long time because we are in a lot of trouble with the hotels forced to close due to COVID, he added. The Phuket Consortium of Boutique Hotel Operators in August last year filed a formal request pleading for the government to extend the amnesty to upgrade their hotels in order to be registered under the Hotels Act. Many small hotels fail to legally qualify to register as hotels under the definition under the Hotels Act due to the building requirements. The amnesty initially brought into effect by the National Council for Peace and Order, NCPO, in 2016 was extended four years ago and finally expired on August 18, 2021. As a result, there are no tourists, no income and unlicensed hotels have to be closed, resulting in no money to pay the bank, Mr. Manasit said. Potential investors don't want to take over the hotels because some people who have had their assets seized still have to pay their debts, he added. Let the government have mercy on us, not just be conductive to large hotels, Mr. Manasset said. The issue has been presented to the relevant agencies many times, Mr. Manasset said. Deputy Prime Minister Wasana said he was aware of the situation and confirmed that he had received specific information from many small hotel operators in the same situation. Therefore, I would like to urgently take care of this matter because now there are quite a number of businesses operators who have already been affected. The subcommittee is processing dozens of other submissions of which all information has been requested and received in order to summarize and present to the Prime Minister as the next step, he noted. So that just seems to be about some hotels that aren't really hotels in Patong. Now, I don't know how much sympathy I have here. I understand the COVID situation. However, they have been under an order and basically an amnesty to get themselves up to scratch since 2016. And they haven't. Now, the pandemic started in 2020. So that's what four years they had before the pandemic did. And they really did nothing to upgrade their facilities to be able to become and legally become hotels. Now, they don't have to be hotels. They could register themselves as guest houses. And I wonder what the reason is behind not being a guest house and why being a hotel. I'm a little bit confused by the licensing laws in that. However, I'm not that sympathetic to all of this. I feel that they, they've had the opportunity to at least try get themselves up to standard. There's also this whole thing about market forces. And if you're not profitable as a business and you can't make money, why does the government keep having to give you handouts so that you can continue to trade? It's pretty obvious to me that these small hotels, even when they were under the amnesty, haven't really been making that much money. And now they're looking for the government to step in to help them because a lot of hotels have been reclaimed by the banks because they haven't been able to meet their payments. Now, fair enough, the pandemic has something to do with that, but they have an obligation to meet the legal status of a hotel to be able to be licensed. And if they're not licensed, I'd ask a couple of questions. Number one, are they even insured? How can you insure yourself public liability insurance if you are not correctly registered and you're in a legal hotel? And 
that comes down and then also are you meeting regulations for fire health and safety you know and other things like that and these things need to be all looked at i just don't think it's fair to expect that the taxpayer keeps shelling out money to businesses that may not be able to continue to survive in the future if the business can be saved and it looks you know you can look at the balance sheet and you can say well this business was making a hefty profit it was you know doing well then yes maybe that's something that can be saved maybe because of COVID but I think a lot of these businesses were never very profitable either and were opened as illegal hotels and it seems to me that's exactly what has been going on of course the another issue of course and with the whole domestic tourism boutique hotels have suffered of course yes i totally understand that uh, the we travel together domestic subsidy plan has not helped them because people can stay in a four or five star hotel for the price that a boutique hotel would be charging to stay with them and why would you stay in this small hotel that's unlicensed versus a big property you know, with a brand name behind it for the same price. Absolutely can understand that. But that is the market that we're in now. And people have to either survive or or not. I would have had sympathy during the pandemic for these kind of hotels. I know that they got hit awfully bad during the pandemic uh, with the SHA Plus when they were told actually you can't be part of SHA and you can't be a, a quarantine hotel when people come and I don't know if you remember that but yeah they were basically kicked out of that even after being registered and getting through it all. This is kind of different from that in the fact that they're talking about the legality of the business and they've had a waiver basically for four years before COVID started and they've never got themselves up to scratch. And if you can't be a hotel because your building doesn't meet the requirements, then maybe it's time not to be a hotel. I don't know. That's just my thought on the whole issue. I mean, yes, I understand that people's livelihoods, but also we can't just change the law to suit a few people. And that's the other thing. And I think here in Thailand, that is always the hope that we can make an exception for many other businesses while other businesses comply, do the things that they need to do to become a legal registered hotel. It's not particularly fair on them. Now, as I said, they did mention big hotels, but there's mid hotels, you know, mid-level hotels, which also have to meet those requirements. But anyway, I put it out to you guys out there. What do you think? Do you think these hotels that haven't met the standard to be a hotel should be allowed to continue to function? Or do you think that they should be shut down? That if they can't properly meet their loan repayments, they can't properly meet the licensing repayments, that their time is up? I'd love to know your opinion, as always, down in that comment section. And moving swiftly along, proposal would allow foreigners in Thailand to own one rye of land, but there is a 40 million baht catch. A proposal being drafted by the Interior Ministry would see foreigners in Thailand allowed to own up to one rye of land for residential purposes. However, foreign buyers would be required to invest 40 million baht in Thailand for a period of three years in order to be eligible for land ownership. The move was announced by Deputy Interior Minister Nippon Bunyamni on Monday who said a proposal will be put before Cabinet for approval. Mr Nippon explained how the Ministry is exploring ways to stimulate real estate sales among foreign business people with high spending power. He said the real estate market in places such as Bangkok, Samut Prakan, Chambari, Phuket and Chiang Mai could benefit from the move. Mr. Nepan said that compared to other countries, the price of real estate in Thailand is not high and that the proposal, if approved, would help to stimulate the economy. In addition, Mr. Nepan said the ministry aims to reduce the transfer and mortgage fees to 0.01% for properties which cost more than 3 million baht. A further study will then be carried out to ascertain whether a reduction on transfer and mortgage fees will be implemented for properties costing between 10 million and 20 million baht. 
The news comes after Thailand recently launched a new visa aimed at attracting foreigners with high spending power. Earlier this month, the Board of Investment of Thailand, BOI, confirmed that application for its new long-term residence, that's the LTR visa, will open from September 1. The 10-year visa aims to attract foreigners of high potential to live and work in Thailand. This new visa program is expected to attract new foreign residents, technologies and talents contributing to domestic spend and investment while supporting economic growth. The Thai government has set the target of attracting 1 million wealthy or talented foreign residents into the country over the next five years, the website reads. The 10-year LTR visa will be offered across four categories, wealthy global citizens, wealthy pensioners, work-from-Thailand professionals and highly skilled professionals. The BOI says the LTR visa will make living in Thailand long-term easier and less bureaucratic. So I think this is what we call a slap in the face to those expats who live in Thailand, retirees, people married to Thai citizens and the like. The idea that, well, if you're rich, that you can own land here in Thailand for residential purposes. But, you know, if you're married and you've been here for 20, 30 years, well, you have absolutely zero rights and you're on a one year by one year visa. I think those kind of things are what puts Thailand really at the back of the door sometimes. I understand they want to attract global citizens, global wealthy citizens. I, I think they're in cloud cuckoo land, to be honest. And I think if they were to focus on the people that currently live in Thailand, the, as I said, the retirees, the people working here in Thailand, the people who are married to Thai citizens and look after them first, they would probably go a long way to actually having more investment in the country. I think if a foreigner who lives here now could invest and buy property in their name, they'd be more inclined to do so. We've all heard the stories of foreigners buying houses with their wives and then, you know, things going awry and, you know, the house is gone because it wasn't in your name, because of the, the title in the house, etc. We've all heard those stories. Well, these kind of things could be easily rectified by allowing a foreigner to have it in his name. Then more foreigners might be and might consider buying property when they can actually have the legal status of having it in their name. Of course, that wouldn't come to the government. They wouldn't think of something like that because they're after that big whale again. You know, the big, rich, foreign residents that they think are all going to be flocking here. I highly doubt that global citizens will be flocking to Thailand for one rye of land that they can buy. But nevertheless, who knows? I mean, I think it's unfortunate that they can't have this strategic look at the country and look at the people who are already here. The people who are contributing on a day-by-day -day basis, you know, contributing to those small mom-and-pop shops that contribute to department stores and, you know, that pay their taxes, that, you know, pay their insurance every year, that, you know, contributed as they're living here in the country to the economy. And those people would spend more money if they had some legal backing behind them in relation to land rights and things like this. But of course, you know, it never ever seems to be that thought of the government. Now, I don't know if actually this will get through Parliament, and I don't think it hasn't gone through yet. A lot of people are not happy with it. There is a lot of people who don't want foreigners to own land in Thailand. They worry that it'll turn out that, you know, Thais won't be able to buy anything because foreigners can come in, they've got a lot of money. But then that's why you need to have rules and regulations. But the rules and regulations should not be just for the rich. And that's my whole opinion. Now, I'd like to know what you guys think about it. Many people who listen to this are expats here in the Thailand. Do you believe you should have land rights? Even if it's for a small amount of land, such as one rai. Or do you think it should be for the big rich people to come in and been able to get their one rai of land as long as they invest 40 million baht over three years? I'd love to know your opinion, guys, as always, down below in the comment section.
with all that talk about travel and people looking for handouts and everything else, it's of no surprise that our next story is about airlines seek state aid amid rising costs. Airlines are struggling to control airfares amid high operational costs to maintain positive momentum for the domestic market, urging the government to help lift the financial burden. The head of commercial operations at Thai Line Air said the price of fuel is the most crucial factor as it accounts for around 35% of the airline's operational costs, rising from its usual level of 30% before the surge. Global oil prices may have recently started to see a gradual downward trend, but the aviation industry cannot immediately reap the benefit. The airline has to await further updates on prices, which could be lower next year. Miss Nunta Porn said the load factor for the upcoming holiday on July 13th to 17th has already reached over 70%, driven by popular destinations for religious events such as Uban Ratchatani, which hosts the annual candle festival during the start of Buddhist Lent, as well as Phuket and Hatyai. However, she said low purchasing power might not derail travel decisions because Thais typically plan trips and book cheap flights in advance to save money. The average load factor in July is estimated at 75%. However, the tourism outlook for the whole of the third quarter might be lower than as the period is still off-peak season. The TLA has had to adjust flight frequency to match actual demand and apply campaigns or joint promotions with the Tourism Authority of Thailand to boost the number of trips. However, the airline cannot offer heavy discounts as seen before COVID-19 and cannot set aside a bulk of seats for promotional prices as the available seats have been significantly reduced during the pandemic. She said the government should consider extending financial support such as reducing aviation-related fees like airport parking and landing to help airlines shore up business. It is impossible for airlines to increase airfares and simply shift that burden to passengers. To maintain strong air traffic, the government has to lend us a hand to help relieve the burden, Ms. Nuntaporn said. Nok Air Chief Executive Wutipun Jurang Kool said the extension of the excise tax cut for jet fuel to 20 satang per litre until the end of the year can help save about 500 to 600 million baht in operational costs in the second half. The airline must closely monitor both oil prices and the exchange rate as the baht's depreciation against the US dollar will cause even higher oil prices. However, Nok Air cannot increase airfares despite higher fuel prices due to a price war among airlines. Tirupal Chattishakampal, Nok Air Chief Commercial Officer, said locals will travel as usual, but the economic slump will impact the frequency of air travel. Meanwhile, a spike of COVID-19 cases with BA.4 and BA.5 subvariants might not impact travel sentiment after more people were vaccinated with booster shots. Knockair's load factor for the upcoming holiday stood at 80%, with over 100 domestic flights per day. And finally, the Phuket News Daily Report. Strong winds, down trees in Kamala. Strong winds brought down trees and branches in Kamala yesterday, landing on power cables and people's houses. No injuries or serious damage was reported. Heavy weather dumps marine trash on Patong Beach. Strong waves pounding the west coast dump piles of debris onto Patong Beach as the strong winds and heavy scattered downpours continued across the island all day yesterday. And finally, island ferries in Suratani resume. Ferries to Koh Samui and Koh Panyang resumed yesterday, but small boats were advised to remain ashore until 5am today due to high winds and strong waves. 
But ultimately, with this story or anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in the comments down below. Because yes, this is a new show, but it's also a conversation. Now keep that conversation going. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, share the video, and do all the good stuff that does help that YouTube algorithm. But ultimately, my name is Kieran Mack. You've been listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show, and we will see you next time.